This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. 13 minutes into the first period, Chicago leading Detroit 2-1 in the NHL. Coming up later, Jets and the Avalanche. Bruins taking on Vegas and the Islanders meet the Flames. Then the Islanders are here tomorrow to face off against the Edmonton Oilers. That one on 6.30, Chad, with a face-off show at 5.30. And the game starting at 7. The Minnesota Wild have traded Charlie Coyle to the Boston Bruins for Ryan Donato. The Wild barely holding on to the final playoff spot in the Western Conference, if either... The Jets or Chicago win tonight. They will push Minnesota out of that playoff spot. Of course, Edmonton in it, but not really in it with 54 points. We'll talk about those numbers as we go along tonight. It is National Love Your Pet Day. So I want to say a special hello to my dog, Rocket, who I'm sure is listening at home. And yes, he is named after a Def Leppard song. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Shed. You can participate in the show not just by listening to your radio and or online, but by texting 630-630 or by calling 780-496-0063. You know, Kellen Kennedy's our studio producer on the other side of the window. Hey, Reed. Kellen, first of all, it's great to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you too. How are you doing today? So as you know, we do the... Uh, face-off show and overtime open line from Studio 99 at Rogers Place on Oilers home game days. So Rob Brown and I and and, uh, Stauffer and our special guests, we get Oilers alumni uh, or, well, we got Denny Savard on. He's not an Oilers alumni. We had him on one night. We're we're right there there at Studio 99. So people can come up and talk to Rob and I after the shows or or during commercial breaks. And there are two questions I get asked the most. Hmm. Number one is Reed how do you keep your skin looking so young and healthy? That's a topic for another show. The number two question is, Reed, do you think the Oilers are going to make the playoffs? Ah. And as, as we progress throughout the season, I have given an answer in return to that second question of decreasing positivity. I don't want to use words like pessimism or negativity, so I will use the term decreasing positivity. Ooh. Uh, we just got to be realistic here, everybody. Uh, and uh, there's that site out there, and there's there are a few different sites that will calculate playoff odds and percentages and, and what teams have to do. I've I always enjoyed the site over the years. It's very simple. You probably looked at it yourself. Sports Club Stats, SportsClubStats.com. And now let's let's be let's be real here. The Edmonton Oilers are 27th in the National Hockey League. 
there are 31 teams. Sportsclubstats.com gives the Edmonton Oilers a 1.7% chance of making the playoffs. So if if there were 1,000 alternate realities in the multiverse, the Oilers would make the playoffs in 17 of them. Now, maybe we're one of them. We don't know. But the most common record for the Oilers to make the playoffs, according to Sports Club stats, is 15-5-3. 23 games remaining. If the Oilers go 15-5-3, they should make the playoffs. Now, there are uh, a bunch of different variables. They do millions of simulations, but that's the most common record for the Oilers to get the playoffs, 15-5-3. Can they win 15 of their remaining 23 games? Well, I hate to tell you this, but I doubt it. Is it a turtle derby in the Western Conference? Well, absolutely it is. We know that. Again, Minnesota in the final playoff spot. They are 21st overall. Usually finishing 21st overall will not get you in the playoffs. The uh, second wildcard team in the Western Conference will very likely be in the bottom 12 or even bottom 10 of the NHL by the time we get there. Here's another interesting thing to note. There are eight teams in the Pacific Division, as I'm sure you know, Kellen Kennedy. Correct. Five of the nine worst teams in the NHL are in the Pacific Division. Wow. The Oilers Division. <laughs> Arizona, mm-hmm. Vancouver, Anaheim, Edmonton, and the Los Angeles Kings. So, so are- there are... They- <laughs> The Pacific Division is is really bad. So uh, one I mean, of those yes, teams Calgary's, will end up making the playoffs. The other one will get Jack Hughes. Calgary, San Jose. Mm-hmm. Well, no, the one of those they could all miss the playoffs. That's true. Right now they they're all missing the playoffs. That's true. Um, so you got San Jose, Calgary, and Vegas are all good. Then you have a division made up of quite bad teams. Five of the nine worst teams in the league are in the Pacific Division. There's there are four divisions in the NHL. So the bottom nine, you'd think, okay, it's three from one, three from another, two from the other two. No, it's it's heavy on the Pacific Division. So that is the uh, that that is the. I don't think that's I don't think that's decreased positivity. I think that is uh, just plain realism. The, the chances of the Edmonton make the Edmonton Oilers making the playoffs are very, very, very. Very thin. Remember a couple of years ago when nobody wanted to play Pacific Division teams because it was, I think, with Anaheim and Edmonton making the playoffs that year, we were up there in point totals, right? Well, the Oilers were eighth. They yeah. they had a pretty good year. I can't remember what the bottom teams did that year because I wouldn't have been looking that low in the standings. I did, right. a, lot, I did a lot less scrolling that year on the old computer. So it's kind of like Spinal Tap fans will like this one. The Oilers' playoff chances are very slim. How much more slim could they be? None more slim. So there you go. This texture says 1.7% seems generous. Hey, man, I'm just quoting the site. Another texture says they are 29th. Well, they aren't 29th. I went to NHL.com and it has them at 27th. So argue with Gary Bettman, not with me. I'll, I'll get you his email. Has anybody ever tried gbettman at nhl.com and see if they got a reply? 
the Oilers have the same number of points as the teams that are placed 28th and 29th, but because the Oilers have played fewer games, they get put 27th. Uh, this texture says, can you talk to the difference in making and not making the playoffs for the Oilers? Imagine this, take three or four games played this season, some of the close ones that easily could have gone the Oilers' way, and suddenly we're in. It's crazy close between total flop and just scraping in. Uh, well, yeah, sure. There's, I mean, I look, I believe this. I'm going to just speak generally about the NHL, not just in, in terms of the Oilers or... Uh, or their playoff chances. I, I think if you look anywhere in the standings, top, middle, or bottom, if two teams are within 10 points of each other, I actually don't think there's that much difference in the quality of the teams. It, it, it might look that way by the end of the year, but if you think of 10 points, that's one win a month in the NHL. So what's the difference between a win a month, a, a hot goaltender, a, a hot power play, an, in, an injury or two, or a team staying healthy? Uh, so yes, to that texture's point, sure, there's six out, there's games they could have won. Let me put it to you this way, sticking with the theme of decreased positivity. The Edmonton Oilers have tied three games this season with the goalie pulled at St. Louis. They won in a shootout. They are on the verge of getting zero points. They got two. Versus Florida, we have the highlight in one of our openings to Inside Sports. It played tonight. They were close to getting zero points. They got two. Last night, again, they were close to getting zero points. They got one. Two plus two plus one is five. If they had got zero points in all those games, they would have 49 points. And they would be last with the Ottawa Senators. So, uh, yes, razor thin perhaps between being in a playoff spot, but also razor thin to uh, being last in the NHL. It is 6.15. We will take a quick timeout. You'll hear from the Nuge, a little bit from Alex Chason. He had a beauty of a quote today about his scoring slump inside sports on 6.30. Chad. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 6.30. Chad. Good to talk to you tonight. So home game tomorrow for the Oilers. They will take on the New York Islanders. 5.30 face-off show game at 7 here on 6.30, Chad. Then 6.30 face-off show on Saturday. And the game against Anaheim will be at 8. I'm looking forward to Friday's edition of Inside Sports. We will be live from Claire Drake Arena. And when I say we, I mean me. You stay here, Kellen Kennedy. Aw. Okay. <laughs> So oh, yeah, there'd have to be somebody here to hit brief, all the buttons. So. You were briefly disappointed, but not really. I love that. Oh, because I know you'll keep me up to date on what's happening at Claire Drake. Well, night. it's going to be good. There is a, The game's going to start at 7. It's the uh, U of A Golden Bears against the Calgary Dinos. Game one of a best of three Canada West semifinal. The winner gets a spot in Nationals. Obviously, the winner goes to the Canada West Championship Series, but also locks up a spot in Nationals in Lethbridge. I was uh, reading up on this series today. I knew that it's been, well, it's been the mid-90s since the Bears lost a playoff series to the Dinos. But they have won 30 straight playoff games against the Dinos. Like, Calgary hasn't even been able to extend a series to a third game in a best of three. So hopefully the Bears can get that going. 7 o'clock, 
on uh, Friday, 7 o'clock on Saturday. And if they need a Game 3, it'll be at 6 o'clock on Sunday. Pandas Hockey also with a home series this weekend against Saskatchewan. We'll tee that one up later on the show with Alex Poznikoff. She's been on Inside Sports before. Great player for the U of A Pandas. Arguably the best player, uh, female player currently in U Sports in the country. So we will uh, have her later on. Okay, so Alex Chason, he's, he's been a positive story, I would say, for the Oilers this season. I know he hasn't scored a lot recently, but uh, he does find ways to impact the game. And, uh, you know, I think he's one of the, the more responsible players on the team that can, be, that can be trusted in a lot of different situations. Now, and, and if you've heard Chason, and we were lucky enough that uh, we even had Chason call into the show one night, and uh, he's been uh, he's been pretty good to talk to, and he had a really cool comment today about how he's uh, dealing with his slump, and we're gonna we're gonna get to that uh, right now. Not a lot of sleep last night. Uh, obviously, I, I've feels like I've been fighting it a little bit lately. Uh, I don't know if it's gripping the stick too much or whatnot. Um, my perspective that that's all in between the years. Go back today and go home and. Refresh, be positive, talk to my mom. <laughs> She'll make me feel better. <laughs> well, you got to love that from Alex Chason. He's going to talk to his mom, and, and maybe he'll feel better. Hey, why not? Why not? Don't mind hearing that from Chason. He, and he probably actually did talk to his mom this afternoon and probably did talk about the scoring slump. I, I do think he was being honest there and having a little bit of fun at the same time. Uh, Pistol Pete, I appreciate getting the uh, Spinal Tap reference. He says if the Oilers want to make the playoffs, they are going to have to play 11 out of 10 as 11 is one greater than 10 and 10 simply won't do. Well, that's a good point. Because you could make, you could increase your maximum effort and make that 10 or you could just give 11 as your effort because it's one more than 10. So I think Pistol Pete has something on the go there. Last night's game was a 3-2 shootout loss to the Arizona Coyotes. The one thing the Oilers have done this season that they rarely did in the past is tie the game with the goalie pull that has now happened three times this year thanks to Nugis Heroics yesterday. Right circle, dry sidle, centering open dead, backhander, same rebound, score! Ryan Nugent Hopkins has tied the game with 11 seconds to play and the Oilers stay alive. It's 2-all at Rogers. Definitely uh, there's that desperation in our game and at that point and uh, this year we've been able to capitalize and uh, and fight back and get those. I mean, uh, every other year we, we've worked and tried to, our best to get them, but sometimes they just don't go. And uh, this year we've uh, we've gotten a few, so it uh, definitely gives your team a, a big boost when you can uh, um, pull one out. Take me through the your tying goal. Looked like you got it on the second whack. Yeah, I saw, I knew Leon had a little bit of time, so I wanted to time myself with him, and uh, uh, he obviously has that vision and can uh, make the, those plays. So. Just tried to get myself in the spot, and then I wanted to bring it backhand, and I kind of missed it a little bit on my backhand, but it came uh, back to me on the forehand and just uh, had to put it in. 
You uh, once again are teammates with Sam Gagne, who you played with earlier in your career. Just what's it like having him back uh, you know, and your reaction to just when you found out about the trade and, and seeing him in the locker room again? Yeah, I, I've been talking to him a lot this year, actually, and uh, uh, we used to live together uh, my second year, so it's uh, it's pretty cool having him back here. And uh, He was a long-time Oiler as well, so uh, now he's got a lot of experience and uh, been around the league for many years, so uh, he's going to be He's going to be big coming down the stretch. He's obviously a skilled guy, but uh, I think that veteran presence and uh, uh, his leadership will be big for us. Hitch was just saying that he likes Gagne's willingness to just put the puck on net, just to, to put it in that scoring area, even if he's just looking for a rebound. Yeah, he does that. He does a really good job of that. Uh, um, and he kind of surprises goalies sometimes, too, with uh, his quick shots. He'll kind of just turn a corner real quick and uh, just put it on and can catch goalies. Uh, uh, not paying uh, full attention or even create rebounds. So it's, uh, I think that's a big attribute to his game, and uh, uh, he's been using it so far. You have your uh, gala dinner for cystic fibrosis coming up on Friday. I believe that's the sixth year you've, you've been involved in this. Just tell me a little bit about uh, about being involved and uh, why it's why it's important to you or maybe how it's uh, affected you, I guess is the word I'm looking for, because I know there's been some stories in the past about kids you've met and, and uh, people going through some tough times. Uh, yeah, for sure. With the cystic fibrosis, I got involved with it in, in Campbell River, Vancouver Island. Uh, Rod Brindamore has a tournament there and uh, already started one about 20 years ago and so I've been going to that one for six or seven years and then the, uh, the chapter out here asked me to come to a dinner uh, yeah six years ago and um, it was great I mean met some great people uh, heard some good stories and um, really felt uh, involved right away so it's just something that uh, um, yeah I mean I'm close to now and uh, it's something that I, I take pride in and I want to help out and uh, I mean, for me, I, I, I just go and uh, um, have a good night with these people and uh, try to raise some money and some awareness. And, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, when you meet the people uh, involved in it, you really realize how serious it is. And uh, that's kind of what made me uh, want to stick around. All right, that is Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And, yeah, doing well on the ice and helping in the community as well. That's Friday he has that dinner for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. You're going to hear from Kelly Rudy in the next half hour of the show. Some comments from Hitchcock as we move along tonight. He'll tell you what he thought of Andre Sekra's return to action and how he sees Sam Gagne fitting in two games into his return to the Edmonton Oilers fold. We'll also have another installment in our special series looking at WHL prospects. Quinn Phillips will chime in with that. All ahead, Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. Back after the news. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. Besides the podcast, we also have past episodes of the show available on 8-track and cassette. And you can uh, reach out about how to get those sent to you if you're interested. Thanks for teaching me about the 8-track too, Reed. Hey, no problem. 
One game going on in the NHL, 3-1 Chicago, leading Detroit after one. The Blackhawks could hop into a playoff spot with a win tonight. Jets and Avalanche about to get underway. Islanders and Flames at 7.30, and at 8 o'clock, It'll be Boston taking on Vegas. Boston gets Charlie Coyle from Minnesota, Ryan Donato, and a fifth-round pick going the other way. The Oilers practiced today at the community rink. Connor McDavid was not on the ice. Here's Hitch. Still under the weather. Well, hopefully he shows up tomorrow, and if not, we got to keep going ahead, keep punching ahead. But it's going through. It's uh, when well, I talked to the Oil Kings coach, and it's right through that, their lineup too. So. Looks like it's coming through, and we just hope get cut off. We had a couple of uh, of the training staff with it, and then uh, Connor ended up with it. So we hopefully it gets cut off there. All right. So we simply wait and see for tomorrow's morning skate to find out more about Connor McDavid. I'm not going to go through the line combinations from practice today because, quite frankly, if McDavid is healthy, they're all going to change. And as we've uh, as we've seen, well, as we saw yesterday. McDavid scratched. They go with some lines in the pregame warm-up. Those were not the lines for the game, so I'm not going to get too hyper about uh, about the lines at practice today. Scott texting in. He says, ask yourself this, Reed. What's worse, the Oilers not making the playoffs again or getting absolutely pumped by Calgary four games in a row in the first round? I honestly can't decide. That is a text from Scott to 6.30, Well, speaking of the Calgary Flames, our uh, regular guest, Kelly Rudy, part of their uh, broadcast crew for tonight's game against the New York Islanders. So I, I grabbed this interview with him about an hour ago because he's currently getting ready to go on television. Of course, he joins us every week here on Inside Sports. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm fantastic, Reed. Just on my way to work, uh, my first NHL team, the New York Islanders, are in town visiting the Flames. I know they're up in Edmonton tomorrow, so uh, I'm sure you'll be watching tonight, get a preview of what you're going to see tomorrow night. Well, absolutely, and the Islanders are one of the most significant stories of the season in the NHL. I mean, last year they could not keep the puck out of their own net. They were the worst defensive team in the National Hockey League, and this year they've been uh, tops or near the top most of the season. That has to be one of the most unexpected stories of this year. Yeah, and, and you know, that's one thing that uh, Barry Trotz was talking about after the morning skate today, but number one uh, goal he had in mind when he was coming to the Islanders after looking at the way in which they played last year and their goals against is that he knew they had to work on their defensive structure. He wasn't sure that he was going to be able to get them to turn it around quite uh, as quickly as they have. Uh, he gave them the structure and asked them uh, – to buy into it they have uh he he gave them the explanation why he wants them to play a certain way and so far they have you know you look at uh, uh even their as you mentioned their goaltenders i mean both of them have been spectacular grice is going tonight i would expect uh, leonard tomorrow but uh, i asked uh, grice this morning about what's the difference and he just said we know what to expect now and everybody has a job everybody uh accepts their role and uh, the one thing he did say is about shot blocking how uh, how prolific they are at uh, that. Well, right, and we <laughs> we've discussed that before. And whether you like it or not, you have to do it in today's NHL, and everybody has to do it, regardless of the name on right. the back of your sweater. So the Islanders have certainly been able to to pull that off. They're going to be an interesting team to watch here, especially as they come through Alberta. Hey, 
We had a trade, well, a couple trades involving the Oilers on the weekend. Cam Talbot went to Philadelphia for Anthony Stellars, who uh, is a young goaltender. We don't really know too much about him or how often he's going to play here with the Oilers. But I'm curious from your standpoint, and, and you played with, with three different teams, and, and you went through that a couple times where you were the new guy in the locker room, and the goaltender is the backbone of the team. It's the most important position on the ice, and I know a lot of times teams look to the goaltender for that calmness or stability or the or the great save on a night where things might not be going well what what is that like you know being being the new goaltender uh on a team i mean you you can't kind of hide and see how you're going to gel with everybody because even if you're the backup you're kind of in the spotlight so what's the key to a new goalie uh you know fitting in with the new team well First of all, I'll address Stellars for just a brief second here. Uh, he played a game here in Calgary earlier in the year when he was with Philadelphia, and I was outrageously impressed. So if you're looking at a guy with potential, never know how that's uh, how far that's going to take somebody, but I really liked his game. Now, the Calgary Plains made a real unexpected comeback in that game, but it wasn't the goaltender's fault. So I think you've got a good one. Uh, depends how he develops. De- depends on a bunch of other things, but to answer your other question about how you fit in, so every situation seems to be different. All three of my situations, uh, um, starting with New York, L.A., and San Jose, they're all different. So I was really lucky with the Islanders because I was able to sort of ease into it. They just won their fourth consecutive Stanley Cup, so they, of course, were a fantastic hockey team. Uh, there wasn't, uh, you know, there weren't very many nights ever in which I felt overwhelmed or that. Uh, I was in over my head. All I had to try and worry about was my own development and fitting in being one of the good guys. And so that was my real important role I found, that uh, I had to stay out late. I had to take all the extra shots. Uh, I had to be a a good practice guy, never complain, always early, uh, stay as late as the shooters wanted. And then finally I eased my way into a bigger role, and then finally I was able to take over the number one spot. But it, it was—it seemed as though it was an easy transition, whereas when I went to Los Angeles, I was thrown right into the fire, and I really enjoyed that because it was, it was full on. It was my first real experience, Reed, as knowing I was the guy. Like, I was number one. I, I felt as though uh, you're a little bit exposed, and that's in no way, shape, or form, a shot to be at all dismissive to any of my partners because they were all unbelievable and I had a great relationship with all of them. But you just feel that way when you're the undeniable number one goaltender on a team. And so you feel that responsibility and it's a it's a really cool feeling. I've always said, I've always used the word intoxicating when trying to describe that feeling because you more so than anybody on the on the ice, other than maybe like a Gretzky or Connor McDavid or the odd other guy. But you single-handedly control the outcome of the game. Now, hopefully it's positively, but sometimes it's negatively, and you have to accept that. Then when I went to uh, San Jose, it was a different situation again because I knew I was on the downside of my career, but I was I was signed there to add stability. But, you know, it didn't go very well for me for the first little bit, and I felt very uncomfortable. Uh, my teammates were great, but I put undue pressure on myself, and my game was really affected by my my attitude. And it wasn't until Chris Terreri, my partner, hurt himself, and I was forced to play, I think, 
12 or 14 games in a row, and it forced me to find my game in a hurry. So every situation is different, but I can tell you that you you are a little bit uncomfortable uncom- when you get there because you want to fit in so quickly. Well, yeah, that's interesting stuff. And uh, now it's Stellars, like I said, I don't know if he's going to be the guy right here in Edmonton. Hitchcock said today that they, they want to keep using Koskinen. But you, I did notice that today. Stellars was out there late with the guys. And when there were only, I think, two other players left on the ice, Stellars had his mask off and had a, a regular player stick and was taking some slap shots. But maybe yeah. sometimes even that, right? Just saying, okay, I'll goof around with you guys yeah. or, or fit in that way. Oh, I'll tell you one thing you can do as a goaltender, Reed, if you're not the starter. If you ever decide to get off the ice uh, from practice shortly after the starting goalie, that'll drive your teammates crazy and they will not respect you. So it's your duty to figure that out and make sure that they're impressed with your work habits. You have to find a way to endure yourself. And it's hard to do in game action because you don't play enough, so you have to find other ways to make sure that they look at you and go, yeah, he's trustworthy, I like him. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports. Would you believe Sam Gagne is an Edmonton Oiler again, Kelly? We, we used to talk about this player a lot a few years ago. Uh, I, I, I did, well, I didn't actually do the math. I let Google do the math. 1,776 days between home games as an Oiler for Gagne, just in case you want to note that number for your broadcast tonight. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, look, he's been in the minors most of the year, um, but just seeing him play a couple of games there, there's no doubt he he's an intelligent player he knows where to go on the ice and yeah. and he's got some maturity to him is is he exactly what the Oilers need well I would say no because they really need a true sniper or two but a, an interesting acquisition and really for Ryan Spooner who wasn't going to be in the Oilers future plans it's interesting Gagne's the guy's coming back yeah you know I'm I'm just uh, I, I like Sam a lot so I'm cheering for him and uh, he's a guy that uh, I really enjoy chatting with uh, in the mornings and so on. So uh, that aside, which is hard to put aside, you know, the one thing I think of, certain guys seem to play, they're just meant to be on that team. And, you know, I always thought of that with Luke Robitaille. He, uh, I always thought of him as an L.A. King. And then he ended up going to, I think he was in New York with the Rangers for a bit. He ended up winning a cup with Detroit. And he talked to me about that being such a big learning experience. But I always... I, I really liked it when he went back to L.A., and I had that same conversation with Dean Lombardi when uh, Rob Blake left the organization, and ultimately Dean brought him back to L.A. because he always said, you know, I always think of Rob Blake as a as an L.A. king, and, and that's what I always think about Sam Gagne, that he had his best days there. Uh, I don't know if he's going to have a score at that same pace that he did uh, earlier in his career, but you just hope that uh, because he's so familiar, he likes the city, he's going to fit in well, uh, and as you mentioned, he's got such good hockey IQ that it's going to work out for him. I mean, he played, what, almost 20 minutes last night, 19-something, so they certainly saw something that uh, he can bring uh, at this point in his career. All right, one more for you. The trade deadline is Monday. The uh, The Flames are, are having a great season. Is there anything they really need that you think they can realistically bring in at the deadline? Well, the one thing I keep hearing is depth on the blue line. Now, I, I understand the importance of that, Reed. I'm just, as a guy that watches them and has watched them, this is my fifth year now covering them exclusively, 
I really feel that this is a team that they really like each other. They really care for each other. They play for each other. I would be very hesitant to want to bring somebody in just for the sake of the, the idea of making a move because this, the chemistry they have and that they've shown here for the first, what, four months of the season has been special. And, you know, even one minor change can throw that off because one guy coming in affects somebody else, and it might affect more than one person in terms of ice time, their role, how they fit in now. And and so I don't know if I'd want to play with it that much. I think because of this team, the way they played, I think you kind of they deserve a chance to see if what they can do in these playoffs. Well, they've been doing pretty good throughout most of the season, so it's going to be interesting to see how they, they jockey with San Jose for first place in the Pacific yeah. here down the stretch. Kelly, thanks for yeah. checking in tonight. Have a great broadcast this evening, man, and we'll talk to you next week. You got it. Thanks, pal. Take care. Always love to hear from Kelly Rudy, taking us behind the scenes of how he had to fit in when he changed teams as a goaltender, and uh, he likes uh, he likes Sam Gagne. I mean, we'll see if he can help the Oilers here down the stretch of the season. It is 6.47. We'll uh, introduce you to one of the top prospects for the upcoming NHL draft. We have a special series on top players in the Western Hockey League. We'll tell you what happened today with the Eskimos and their 50-50 donations as well. All ahead. You're listening to 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Patrick Kane has scored for the Chicago Blackhawks. They're now leading Detroit 4-1 halfway through the second period. Kane's point streak has hit 19 games. He has 41 points over the course of the streak, 15 goals and 26 assists. Back in 15-16, Kane had a 26-game point streak where he had a mere 40 points. So Patrick Kane, 41 points over the course of a 19-game point streak. Uh, I'm just uh, reading some of the people who cover the Blackhawks here on Twitter, and they're also throwing out Kane's name in the Hart Trophy discussion. Well, I'll tell you what. If Chicago makes the playoffs, you'd have to put Kane in your top three for the Hart. I mean, Kucherov would have to be up there. You can debate a whole bunch of other guys. Last year, it was between Hall and McKinnon, largely because they dragged, you know, not great teams, kind of average-ish teams into the playoffs based on their individual play. Hall had a great point streak. McKinnon had a great year. And those two guys were the front runners for the heart. So I would think if Chicago got into the playoffs, and especially considering for the first half of the season, the Blackhawks didn't look like they were going to be anywhere near the playoffs. So if Kane were to lead them in, I would think absolutely he would get some serious Hart Trophy consideration. This portion of Inside Sports is presented by Furnace Family, your 24-7 furnace repair and replacement specialist. Call 7804-FAMILY or check them out online at FurnaceFamily.com. You know, in, uh, in the Yukon, there isn't really a fan base for any particular NHL team. That's soon going to change. Dylan Cousins, born in Whitehorse, now starring for the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Once he's drafted in June, well, Yukon will likely have a new favorite club and a favorite NHL player. Quinn Phillips has more in part three of our top prospect series. Here comes Dylan Cousins to the neutral zone. 
Trying to dance his way in. In right circle. Frisch shot scores. Lethbridge Hurricanes forward Dylan Cousins is used to the question. Growing up in UConn, which has only had two players before him suit up in the NHL, how did you get so good at hockey? I think it's all to my backyard rink that my dad made ever since I was a young age. I was always on my backyard rink till, till, till it was pitch black outside. But wait, there's not a lot of hours of daylight in Whitehorse in the winter. It was pitch black by probably around 4 o'clock, so my dad would have to set up these big lights that would, that would light up the whole backyard for me. The outdoor rink and minor hockey in Whitehorse could only take the smooth skating forward so far. There wasn't enough competition. So at 14 years old, Cousins moved to BC to play at the Delta Hockey Academy. I moved by myself. It was, it was definitely really hard, me being so young, and it was definitely hard on my parents, but they knew that's what was best for me, and they supported me through that. And I lived with a really good billet family, so that helped a lot. That will force a teenager to grow up pretty fast, but it now helps the Canes' second leading scorer. When I came into the WHL, uh, being with all the older guys, they don't want an immature guy coming into the room when, he, when he's 16 years old, so it definitely helped me a lot uh, just, just to be more mature and ahead of most kids my age. He plays in all our, our top lines and our top minutes, and he's always approached the right way. Last year he was a little bit quieter, reserved, uh, learning from the older guys, and this year, his second year, he's taken on more of a leadership role. And, um, for him, more, it's not always talking, but it's just how he plays and how hard he plays. He's the first UConn-born player taken in the first round of the WHL Bantam Draft, ranked number three among North American skaters on the Central Scouting midterm rankings. He's a likely first-rounder at the NHL Draft, which will, of course, be another first. I'm so grateful to be from there, and it's definitely a different uh, path than most people take, and i got lots of supporters up there, and I just want to make everyone proud. Quinn Phillips, Global Sports. Top Prospects is brought to you by the Western Hockey League, world-class hockey, and guaranteed scholarships. All right, thanks, Quinn. Good stuff there on Dylan Cousins, and we'll have uh, one more in that series on top WHL prospects before the end of the week here on Inside Sports. Oilers and Islanders tomorrow, Oilers and Ducks on Saturday. Trade deadline Monday. We'll have special coverage throughout the day and then take you into the Oilers and Predators. That's a 6 o'clock face-off on Monday night. That's going to be a five-game road trip for the Edmonton Oilers. Andre Sekra returned to action last night on the Oilers' blue line. He played five games in Bakersfield on a conditioning assignment. He's coming back from that torn Achilles. Here's Hitch. I thought on transition he was excellent. I thought where he's got growth... Uh, is down low. The quickness down low is going to take, it's a whole different speed in the American Hockey League than here. And I, th I think he's going to have an adjustment on that one-on-one -on -one play down low against quickness. And that's quite frankly going to take probably two weeks before he's up to speed there. And we're working with him hard at practice on that stuff and putting in drills specifically for him. But you can see the, the quick movement. He's, he's a little bit behind right now. All right, I, I thought Secker had some good moments last night. Uh, fair comment by Hitch. Some of the quick movements may be a little bit behind, but I think we saw his craftiness with the puck yesterday. All right, we have uh, a good half hour of university talk coming up between 7.30 and 8. Uh, lots of playoff action on campus this weekend, so we will run that down. We'll have Alex Posnikoff on the show, too. Top player for the U of A Pandas hockey team. All coming up inside sports on 6.30. Chad, we're back after the news. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.